You know, finishing the series with that song, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a touching song for me. <clears throat> my, um, my mom and dad shared 58 years, 58 years together before my mom passed last year. And it really gave me a lot of insight. And I got to grow up in a home. And I got to, as an adult, leave a home, but continue to see a home that really lived out tested love. And I think it's something that, <clears throat> that every single one of us, when we step into a covenant relationship, we want a relationship that's going to go the distance, don't we? We want one that's going to last. We want one that's going to thrive. And it's why we've been talking about this, this tested love. It's been a pretty incredible weekend for me. Um, Friday, I got, to, I got to tell my son congratulations because he got engaged. <laughs> you know? and, and I know that our desire, Cheryl and my desire, is that, that he can look at... Uh, our lives and our relationship and he can glean the tools from that that's going to help set him up to be successful and we don't have a, a perfect marriage we don't have a marriage that's not had its faults and its flaws but we have a marriage that understands one key thing forgiveness we understand this and as we've been looking at this series, Tested Love, we've looked at a few key things. We've looked at what it means to get on the same page and how valuable that is for us. If we're going to have a marriage that's going to be a rewarding relationship and how important it is for us to look and see and course correct to get back on the same page. We looked at what it means to know your spouse. To, to know them and to, to do everything we can to, to meet their needs and, and their desires. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, that, that we would do this. We looked at what, what are the principles of a successful marriage. These principles of, of this first priority. That, that, that we would make our spouse our, our first priority in any human relationship that we would have. That there would be a pursuit, that this relentless pursuit, that we would never stop pursuing them. That we would see them as a partner, that, that we partner together. And that we would protect our marriage with purity. That these are what set us up to have a successful marriage. And we got to see these all through when, when God said, hey, this is what I did and this is how I presented Adam and Eve. And we just looked at and we could just see these all come together. And one of the things we've been trying to do is, is help you have some, some tools so that you can have some great discussions. And, and maybe a great discussion doesn't even start out so great. I, I know the very first week that when, when Cheryl and I started discussing the very questions I put out for us and we started discussing them afterwards, she, in the middle of this discussion, says to me, I feel like you're upset with me. And so I'm just telling you that because I'm participating as well. And sometimes these conversations, they can start off a little tough. But if we'll stick with it 
and then we're willing to have some of these conversations that, that are worth having, that our marriages can get better. So last week, what, one of the things we did, we said, hey, we're, we want to give you a marriage satisfaction survey, something that take you less than eight minutes for you to take the time to, to look at this and see, hey, where, where am I? Where, where am I seeing things? And that you would sit down with your spouse and go, hey, where are you seeing things? And let's talk about these things. And, and maybe there's some areas that, that we've really never darkened the door on that maybe we really need to be talking about. Maybe there's some areas that we've just kind of both known. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're not as satisfied there, and I'm not as satisfied there. And, but we just, we just kind of don't talk about it. We just kind of ignore those things. And, and that leads you to having a discussion that would help you. And so if you didn't do that, I, I want to put that out there one more time for you. That, that you're going to need your phone if you want to do this. I'm telling you, I really believe it'll be worth it. Maybe you're in a, a real serious relationship right now. You're not married yet. Maybe, maybe it's worth you doing this. Maybe you've just been married and you're kind of bitter over where that's kind of ended and you're still kind of hurt. And maybe for you, you should just take this just, just, just to take a look and go, where is it that I wasn't satisfied? I need to make sure if I ever step into the dating game again that I'm going to be very cautious and I'm going to look to see that these things aren't going to be issues for us. I really think it's a wise thing for you to take, and that is if you would text MSS, it's short for Marriage Satisfaction Survey, to 210-817-8121. It's going to be a way that's going to help lead you to having some great discussion to be able to get your marriage even further than what it is, to a greater place than what it is. So today we are going to talk about forgiveness. And yes, I did. I've learned a lot about marriage from what my mom and my dad modeled to me. And another area that I've learned a lot from is just from the Bible. And, and, and in the Bible, we, we can see all sorts of things. We, we get to see a prophet named Hosea that God told this prophet, hey, I, I want you to go get married. He's like, finally, thank you, God. And I've got her picked out for you. Oh, God, you do already? Okay, great. Who is she? Well, she's a prostitute. And if you were to read this book of Hosea, you'll read about this incredible journey where God takes this prophet and says, I want you to marry a prostitute. And you get to see the, the dynamics of everything that unfolds. And the one thing that God uses in this life of Hosea in this marriage is the one thing that he uses is he uses this to show the incredible value of forgiveness. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, is forgiveness. And I, I thought I'd get started with, with this focus as we get to this one last week of talking about tested love. I thought I'd talk about how a lot of us got introduced to the idea of love. That, that, if, that if you're like me, that, that, that you could have some childhood memories and then with your childhood memory that, that there's that somebody that you were thinking, <laughs> I really like that person, you know, and, and I wonder if they like me. In fact, you liked them so much that you wondered if they loved you. And so you just would pick a flower and go, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Anybody besides me do this before, right? Yes. She loves me. Somebody's like, I'm still doing it. She loves me not. 
She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. And we start getting anxious, right? She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. Loves me not. Loves me. Loves me not. Loves me. Loves me not. And I don't know if anybody did this besides me. But, but if you get to this point, it's usually just a flower that you grab somewhere, right? And you're, just, and you're like, oh, dud. And, and you go get a new flower. What does that flower know anyways? And so you do, you just go get a new flower and you, you just try your luck with the new flower. And, and for some of us in those earliest days as we think about love and being loved, we have this memory of, I was just trying to find out if somebody loved me through a petal. You know, I mean, talk about peddling love, right? I mean, that's, that's just the epitome of it. So I think that we live in a time, especially over these last few years, where I think unforgiveness has been on the rise not just in marriages, I'm just talking about as a whole. Unforgiveness has been on the rise. We, we haven't labeled it that. And instead, that there's been a, a better label that, that we've used so that we don't use a word like that. Or we don't want to involve forgiveness with an un in front of it because that sounds really bad. So, so we created a, a better label. And that label is cancel culture. And I can tell you that cancel culture is absolutely about unforgiveness. And, and as we've seen cancel culture just kind of take off, people are digging up things from 18 years and 20 years, and somebody's not even that person anymore, but it does, we've got to cancel them because that was something that they did. Such a spirit of unforgiveness. And, and if we're not careful, we end up getting caught up in that, and, and we'll get caught up and we'll even drag that mentality into a marriage. And we will just cancel that marriage. We'll cancel a friendship. We will just cancel people all around us without a spirit of forgiveness. Forgiveness is always a gift. It's always a gift. It's a gift that is given and it's a gift that is received, but forgiveness is always a gift. And, and I'm calling this forward-givenness because we need to predetermine that we're going to be forgiving people. We need to decide in advance that we will be forgiving people. That forgiveness is a predecision. That, that almost every time that forgiveness is offered, it's not been deserved. It's not been that, oh, you, you can behave your way back to a place that you've earned forgiveness. In fact, I don't even know actually of a single example when it actually is. But yet one of the things when we know we've done something wrong, one of the things that we try to do is, is, is we try to earn forgiveness. We, we try to behave our way to where all of a sudden, do, do we deserve it now? Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I get it now? And we never earn forgiveness. It is always a gift. And tested love 
marriages are tested. And they're tested with, will you forgive? It is a test that every marriage takes. I want to share with you a few passages. We're going to get started in Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, this is about Jesus kind of recounting what, what God established with, with the very first marriage, with Adam and Eve. So Mark chapter 10, we'll start in verse, verse 6. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And when Jesus is sharing this and he's saying all of this, everybody's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, we've heard that. Yeah, we, we know that. I mean, this wasn't written when Jesus said it. <clears throat> it was just said. It was spoken. But Genesis had been written. And so they're like going, we've read that. We, we know that. But then Jesus added another element. And the element that he added, we get to see this verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together... Let no one separate. And this isn't just about a, an external force, although it would include it. It's also once you become one, it's about the internal source. Let no one separate. Forgiveness cancels debt. That whenever forgiveness is offered, it, it, it's given because the other person, they, they owe you something. They, they, they've taken something from They've done something to you. Maybe what they did was even a neglect of what they didn't do that they should have done. And forgiveness, it, it cancels debt. It doesn't cancel the person. It cancels their debt. And what forgiveness does in a marriage is forgiveness restores marriage. Forgiveness protects marriage. Forgiveness saves marriage. This is how important forgiveness is. And forgiveness is hard to give because we have to give up our right to be offended. And sometimes we're, we're so clutched to, so holding on to, no, no, you've forgiven me and, and it's my right to feel offended and so I'm gonna hold on to that right to feel offended and to feel hurt. And sometimes we don't wanna let go of that. Sometimes we wanna use that and we'll even weaponize it in a relationship. You've hurt me. You've offended me. You've neglected me. And if we don't forgive, we will end up using this as a weapon. And that is not healthy for any relationship. In the book of Ephesians, it's this letter that was written and is written to some Christ followers and they were getting started in their journey, their faith journey. And the apostle Paul, he's writing this to them. And what Paul said to them in verse, chapter 4, verse 32 of Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. 
That, that is what he's telling these, these, these Christ followers, he's telling them, hey, you need to be forgiving. Why, 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 why do I need to be forgiving? You need to be forgiving because if you're a Christ follower, you have been forgiven. And you have been forgiven of everything you've ever done. And you've been given a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. Therefore, you need to forgive one another. You need to forgive each other. When I think about Christianity, I think about this, that just as Christianity can't exist without forgiveness, marriages can't exist without forgiveness. It's so important. My parents wouldn't have gone 58 years without forgiveness. Cheryl and I wouldn't be at the 28-year mark without forgiveness. Marriage needs forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 is a very interesting chapter. In fact, it'd be one of those chapters that I would encourage you to read someday. Maybe even later today. Maybe for some of you, they're like going, uh, I can kind of read it right now because I'm not tuning in with you. So that would be fine too. But it's, 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 a, it's a chapter that identifies these different actions that destroy relationships. And not that we need to be studying, hey, how can I destroy a relationship? But what we need to be studying is what are the actions, what are the behaviors, what are the things that ends up destroying relationships? And that we need to see these. In fact, we're going to put on the screen 17 relationship-destroying actions that are found throughout chapter 4 of Ephesians. As you look at that list, I'm just going to kind of read through them pretty quickly for anybody who's just kind of listening to the podcast and isn't able to see what we're doing. This list is futile thinking, ignorance, hardened heart, lost sensitivity, indulgences, impurity, greed, deceitful desires, falsehood, anger, stealing, unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, malice. So as you look at that list, we're going to leave that up there just a little bit. As you look at this list, what what I'd like for you to do is that, that if you're married, I, I want you to look at this list and I want you to identify how many items on that list does your spouse have? I literally, I actually want you to do that. If, if, if you're going, hey, um, we're kind of in a committed relationship, but, but we're not married, I'd do the same thing. If you're somebody that you're like, well, I'm actually divorced, I'm not dating anybody, well, why don't you look at that list? You're like going, with, with pleasure. Why don't you look at that list and identify what on there did your former spouse have? But, but look at this list and identify how many of them. Now, now I'm going to ask you a question because I, I hope you've been able to, to take and, and, and do that. I've actually done this and um, at the risk of um, my marriage, I'll go ahead and tell you my number that I came up with. Five. Cheryl's not in this service, so I'm safe right now. <clears throat> But I want to ask you another question. How many of those items do you think can be present in a marriage be successful? 
Some of you guys might be tempted to cheat right about now. Well, Will just said his wife has five, so it's got to be at least five. <laughs> I, I don't know where you're at with that. But, but I do have one more test that I want us to take with this. And that is, I want you to look at that. And I want you to identify how many have you brought into the relationship. If you're married, into your marriage. If you're dating, into the person you're dating. If you're divorced, how many did you bring into that relationship? Maybe you're none of the above, and it's like, I, well, think about your best friend. How many of these have you brought in? And identify how many. I, I threw Cheryl under the bus, so I guess I might as well play too, right? This one hurts. Ten. I have been guilty. I don't think I hold all 10. I don't think I've used all 10 at the same time. I don't know if our marriage could have survived that. But I have been guilty of 10 of these actions of bringing them into my relationship. And I know that's not healthy. These are relationship-destroying actions. And so if we're serious about protecting our relationships, especially our marriage then we need to get really aggressive about what are we going to do to eliminate bringing these actions, these thoughts, these behaviors into our marriage. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, again, the same writer, the Apostle Paul, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If any of you has a grievance with what are we supposed to do? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And when we, we look at this and, and, and we see the context is, hey, because God's forgiven you, you need to be forgiving. That, that maybe if there's anybody that gets off the hook, it's gonna be a person that's listening and they haven't put their faith, their hope in Jesus. Because they haven't put their faith, their hope in Jesus. They haven't put their faith and said, I, I believe Jesus, that you are the son of God. That, that, that that person hasn't received that forgiveness. And so they can be off the hook because they can say, well, I haven't received it, so I don't have to give it. But I think the majority listening is going to be people that aren't going to be able to say that. And so if you're like me and you are a Christ follower, we are to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And where there is an absence of forgiveness, there is an abundance of bitterness. And bitterness does not make us a better person. It brings out the worst in us. And this unforgiveness, that's what it does. It creates bitterness. And it is not good, it is not healthy for us. And, and bitterness, listen to this. Bitterness does more to corrupt where it is stored than where it is poured. You might think, I'm, I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to pour this on you and, and I, it's going to get your attention and hopefully you're... It does more to corrupt where it is stored than where it is poured. 
And so we've got to get serious about this forgiveness and being willing to forgive and choosing to forgive. I want to give you four benefits of forgiveness. Four benefits. These these things that, that we get to benefit from when we choose to forgive. Things that that we benefit from when we need forgiveness and we receive it. But these benefits of forgiveness, the first one is forgiveness can strengthen relationships. In fact, it, it usually does. But forgiveness, it can strengthen relationships. It can strengthen a marriage. It can strengthen a friendship. It can strengthen these relationships. And I can tell you that Cheryl and I have a stronger marriage because We've forgiven each other. We've forgiven each other of things that have been said. We've been forgiven each other of things that have been done. We've forgiven each other because of things that should have been done that weren't done. And it has strengthened our marriage. It's a benefit when we choose to forgive. A second one is that forgiveness will set people free. It sets the one receiving forgiveness for him. But it also sets the one doing the forgiving. It sets them free as well. That, that forgiveness is when we choose to let go of the offense so that we can free up our hand to hold on to the person. Because we can't hold on to the offense and hold on to the person. Years ago, there was a study about monkeys and they were trying to figure out, well, what would be an easy, clever way to, to, to capture them? And what they figured out that they could do is that they could take coconut and they could drill a hole small enough for the hand of a monkey to get into. And they'd put a little treat in there, but it'd be a hard treat. And as they'd hold on to that treat, they couldn't get their hand out and they weren't willing to let go. And they'd try to run away from the captors dragging a coconut and they couldn't run fast enough, but they weren't willing to let go. Let go would have given them freedom. Letting go would have given them freedom. But they weren't willing to let go. And because of that, they lacked freedom. It's powerful when we choose to let go of an offense so that we can hold on to a person. A third thing is forgiveness. It starts the healing process. The healing doesn't really begin until there is forgiveness. If you're waiting for healing to start in order to forgive, you're not going to forgive. Because forgiveness is the beginning of the healing process. And this last one I'm going to give you, it comes with an asterisk. This asterisk that we have is forgiveness enables reconciliation. It truly does enable it. But just because we forgive doesn't mean there will be restoration. If you're somebody that that you are divorced from somebody, if you've not forgiven them, I would encourage you to forgive them. You might not ever reconcile with them, but you still need to forgive them you will benefit from forgiving. If you're married, forgive. 
And watch forgiveness enable what we need most, reconciliation. A way to restore the relationship. And I think while some marriages can survive without forgiveness, they will not thrive without forgiveness. Loves me not. That I think forgiveness can put a whole new spin on loves me not. And if you'll afford me that luxury, I want to give it to you of what it means to forgive. And that when we forgive, it changes it. And it changes it to something we need. Loves me not that connecting. I think we probably all know that, that marriages get referred to as tying the, can you do a little better? Tying the, tying the knot. And forgiveness is one of these key components that allows a marriage to be a loves me cannot it puts the K in the knot and it's what we all need is we need forgiveness and we need the knot of the marriage the love loves me not because every marriage every marriage is going to experience frustration Every marriage is going to experience friction. Every marriage is going to experience some fighting. Because marriages are going to experience this, every marriage needs forgiveness. And we must decide we're going to forgive before they could ever earn it, before they could ever deserve it. We're going to forgive it. We're going to give it in advance. One last passage. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, now if you've never heard this, I want you to know this. That in the Hebrew language, numbers have significance. Numbers have meaning. And number seven, the, the meaning of seven is this, it's completeness. And another way that that gets said is perfection. It's complete. The number six is incomplete or imperfect. We've all heard probably six, 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 right? This is this incomplete, right? Okay, well, it's six, six, six. Why is it 666? Because the number three in Hebrew means things of God. And so you have three sixes, and there's, there's God created Satan, the devil, but he didn't create him to be the way he is. He's imperfect, and six, six, six. But we probably have also heard the number 777. And that is perfection, and it is the thing of God. And here's Peter, and he's saying, Hey, is, is seven complete? Well, I know if I forgive him, is, is it complete? Is, is it is the perfect amount to forgive? And thinking that 
that he's going to get this, this pat on the back from Jesus. I've arrived. I'm, I'm doing more than three. I'm doing more than four. I, I'm going the distance, Jesus. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some people interpret what's being said here as it's 70 times seven. And it wasn't that Jesus was really trying to give us a specific number of 77 and notch it out or, or 490 and keep track. It was this idea of it's a very grandiose number that keep on forgiving. Our marriages, they're going to be tested and they will become a tested love when we forgive. And I know that as I speak about this, there's, there can be a lot of hurt. There, there can be a lot of things that, that, that have been done. Things that are heavy things. Things that are difficult things. Those things that were keep being repeated over and over and over. And I don't think that any spouse should take approach and say, well, you need to forgive me and so I can just keep on keeping on. No. Because forgiveness should be the fuel that leads us to change. And that we would love enough to make the change that is needed for the spouse that we've said we are committed to. Let's forgive. Let's be willing to give it. Let's be willing to receive it. And let's be willing to transform who we are because of the forgiveness that is offered and given in our relationships. And if you've got this big hurt in your relationship, please don't weaponize it. Please don't deal with it and think that you guys have reached the end and then things don't go your way or another hurt comes and you just keep bringing it back up again. Because that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of the offense. It's letting go of your right to hold on to being offended. To free up your hand to hold on to the one that you've said I do to. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I can only imagine that right now there are some marriages that need forgiveness right now. They need the reset that can only come with forgiveness. So God, I pray that you would give the courage that is needed to offer forgiveness, to receive forgiveness, and to allow marriages to move from a place of barely surviving to move to a place of thriving. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.